When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. When Branca and Jojo remembered this day for the rest of their lives, it was not for the unseasonable weather, although the anomaly of spring visiting a week before Thanksgiving certainly made it memorable. It was much too warm and bright for November in New York. It felt almost as if it were May with its luminous and dazzling sunshine and gentle breeze. People cheerfully threw off their coats and breathed in this gift of nature. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Meryl Ayn about her newest novel, The Shadows We Carry. Fraternal twins Branka and Jojo Lubinsky were born in a DP camp after the end of World War II. So they are original boomer babies, but they're also second-generation Holocaust survivors. Their father's first wife and child were murdered by Nazis, and their mother was a Christian woman who saved his life. They married, and she never converted, but raised Branca and Jojo to follow her scrupulously observant Judaism. The twins are navigating young adulthood. Jojo deals with an unexpected pregnancy, and Branca dreams of becoming a serious journalist. Learning about a Nazi community in nearby Long Island with a main street named after Hitler rattles Branca and propels this story about growing up in post-war America, Jewish-Christian relations, finding communities, 1960s upheaval, and how every generation is weighed down by the shadows of family and history. Hi, Meryl. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Galit. It's a pleasure to be here. How did you come to write a continuation of the lives of characters from your first novel? Well, I guess there are two reasons. Uh, The reason that I like to give the most is that my readers asked me, they they wanted to know what happened uh, to the twin sisters after the book ended. And honestly, some of them felt like I kept them 
hanging. The other answer is that my husband, who's a journalist, is my muse. And I showed him every chapter after I wrote it and, and he weighed in on it. And when I showed him the chapter that became the last chapter, he said, this is the end of the book. And I said, no, it's not. I have a lot more to say on the topic. And he said, trust me, this is the end of the book. And, you know, Galit, <laughs> I've been working so hard on it. I guess I said, fine, I'm I'm happy for the book, <laughs> book to end. But I, I always felt I had much more to say. Got it. Jojo and Branca and their parents live with her father's, their father's parents. And those parents. Cousin. Yeah, cousin. Cousins. And they winter in Florida and keep an eye on their schizophrenic daughter, the girls. They call her Aunt Becky. That was a difficult time for mental health. Not that we fixed the problem in 2023, but uh, back then, even worse. How does Aunt Becky's situation figure into the story? Uh, well, it, she's more of a character in uh, The Takeaway Men. Uh, and she she figures into it as another person with a secret, basically. Um, her mother, Faye, um, keeps this as a secret. But I mean, the girls know and the family knows uh, that there is something not quite right about Becky. And and Becky can be a loving, generous person. Uh, she buys the girls their first Ginny dolls. But, um, you know, when she has her um, schizophrenic episodes, it's 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 very difficult. So, I, you know, I was writing about um, people with secrets and people who were marginalized. And, and that was my rationale for uh, having Becky in this story. And another marginalized character was Ned. Bronca has this longtime crush on him. Yeah. She hopes to marry him. All the other adults realize, and, and the reader realizes that something's off, but Branca doesn't get it. It's all still very secretive back, back then. Can you say more? Well, it was very secretive back then. I mean, we're talking, um, you know, this story really begins, there's a prologue, uh, you know, with the Kennedy assassination in 63. But this story really begins in 1969. And I believe that that was the year of the, the Stonewall uh, riot, where, you know, that that was the first time that there was really uh, attention paid to the uh, whole question that there were homosexuals living among us. So it was very typical in those times um, to hide um, your sexual identity. I mean, we've gotten um, very used to now, you know, people people are out, of, out in the open and they marry and they have families, uh, but it wasn't like that then it was a there was it was a big secret and you know if someone was suspected of being gay there were certain uh, epithets hurled at them and we were really living um in a in a very uh, in intolerant time so uh you know many people um hid 
their identity uh, from from their families and friends. I and you know many did carry on a secret life. I mean, and there were, it was not unusual for a person who was gay to get married or be in a heterosexual uh, relationship at that time. So it was a very different time. Um, and there are some people who'd like us to go back to that time. But <laughs> your story really is, there's a lot, there are a lot of secrets here. Uh, one of Branca's colleagues at the newspaper, Brian, mentions that during World War II, his father fought on the Russian front and didn't know anything about the concentration camps. So I remember being in Austria in the early 80s, and we were speaking German. And everyone we spoke to claimed to have fought on the Eastern Front. Mm-hmm. They were they weren't that old back then. It didn't make any sense. So how did you research that story? Well, I I have to say that I have been researching uh, this topic. It seems for for most of my life. You know, when I, I was fascinated um, with the topic of the Holocaust ever since I read the diary of Anne Frank. I'm I'm a former history teacher. Um I I I I have um I did for um this book I did a a lot of research on uh former Nazis. It's it's mentioned um in in passing, well, the former Nazi is in the Takeaway Men, but but what is mentioned in the Takeaway Men is the fact that the the United States government really really looked the other way after the war. The whole focus after the war was on hunting down communists, and it's just mind boggling to me that people really didn't care that that Nazis were led into the country. And there were some rather famous Nazis uh, who entered the country and worked in the space program in Los Alamos. I mean, everybody knows the name Werner von Braun. And, and, and there were others as well. Uh, the whole focus became on fighting communists. Um, it, it changed. And, you know, I I researched that it it changed, you know, in the in the late seventies, um, where Elizabeth Holtzman um, created this um, the Office of Special Investigations under the Department of of Justice, and 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 Nazis, uh, former Nazis, were really um, hunted down, and and some some were brought uh, to justice. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are films, books, uh, papers, uh, lots of lots of things about yeah. it now. Mm-hmm. I recently interviewed uh, the author of The Shadow of Dora, a, a novel that explores the space program's path from the Dora Middlebaugh concentration camp in 1940s Nazi Germany to the Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969. Wow, wow. Fascinating. But Branka, your character Branka, is shocked to learn that there are Nazis in America. We were all shocked in the 70s. Well, yeah, I think so. And especially that there was a German community uh on on Eastern Long Island, um, which before the war um, actually had a Nazi youth camp where they attempted to acculturate American youngsters into Nazi 
values, but uh, the the street names in that community were named after Nazis, of course. Um, and this is true. I, mm -hmm. I call it I call it Fatherland Gardens in the book, but it's the name of it is actually German Gardens. It exists. Um, there, the main street was Hitlerstrasse. They were named after Nazis. Um, and interestingly, until 2017, 2017, that's six years ago, um, you had to prove um, not a German lineage to live there. And then that was, uh, you know, outlawed by by New York State. Okay, better late than never. Branka, <laughs> Branka asks, can you ever escape your family's history? That's the crux of the book, isn't it? What's your answer? Yes. What is my answer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I raise that, you know, for for readers to think about. I think your family's history is your history, and it is certainly part of you. But I think I don't think um you necessarily need to um allow it and as in the case of 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 Brian, I mean he just felt devastated and and destroyed by the fact that his his father had been um you know a a Nazi, a a a guard who ushered uh, Jews into the gas chamber. There's there's a physician um, in Florida who uh, was on the speaking circuit for a while, and and his father was a Nazi, and he's turned that into um, speaking to to groups of students about about the dangers of the Holocaust. I, I you know in the case of children of Holocaust. <clears throat> survivors there there've been studies really that there is something um something there you know i don't want to uh, whether it's genetic or or whatever that 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 sense is is with you but the reason that i um created twins was that i wanted to show um that although all children of Holocaust survivors are impacted by their parents' background. Their reactions uh, are can be very different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, after Brian finds the stash of Nazi Nazi memorabilia belonging to his father, he and Branka uh, bring in Father Stan, a Catholic priest. Can you say a bit about that? Well, Father Stan is also uh, a person um, who has an unusual family background. Um, he's a Catholic priest. He's a rising star um, in the in the diocese, and he loves the church. He's loved the church ever since he was a little boy. He loves the sights and smells and sounds of the of the church and he's he's a very he's a very devout catholic on his mother's uh, adopted mother's beth the uh, deathbed he finds out uh that he was adopted by the family he always knew as his parent and that he had been given um to them uh when he was a month old his parents were jewish and they gave 
him to this family for safekeeping and they they perished in the Holocaust and he um you know was brought up Catholic so he when he finds out um that he is biologically or genetically Jewish he he starts to explore his Jewish roots as well that was fascinating that part of it Branka, who asks the questions we all have, asks this one. She says, if the children and grandchildren of Nazis and their sympathizers bear any responsibility for what their relatives did during the war, what's your answer? Uh, that's a good question. That that is <laughs> That's why I had her ask it, and I wanted readers to ponder it. Uh, that, that is a, that's, I, I don't. I don't know. I I don't think. Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe in inherited guilt. I do. I do not believe that. But I do believe uh, that we all have a responsibility uh, to try to make the world better. And that is one of the things that I find very upsetting about this time period, which I've studied extensively, is that you know you not only the germans not only most poles and you know there were 11 about 11,000 who were righteous gentiles but there were many more who weren't and i don't know uh if you i just finished watching a small light the story uh, the story of meep geese who who um kept the uh frank and frank and her family in hiding. Uh, it was on uh i think it's on netflix um so there were certainly people who stepped up to the plate but you know what they're really few and far between and even we have to think about you know what what did the united states do you know the whole the whole rationale was well we're we're going to win the war we're going to win the war and everything is is geared to winning the war and in the in the meantime you know 6 million jews and 5 million others perished at at the hands of the nazis so i to me you know a better um, way to look at it or better is, you know, what what is our individual responsibility and what do we do when we see evil in the world? Yeah. Um, Branka and Jojo's father says two things worth talking about. One, there's a solution for every problem. And second, he says, the next generation, just like ours, We'll have to learn to live with the shadows we all carry. Can you say more? Well, I I do think um, that there is a solution to every problem and most problems, most personal problems. And sometimes the solution is just, you know, that I you can't think about it or or dwell on it all the time or allow it to 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 ruin your life um i you know i i i do think though that we all you know we all have our shadows we all have our burdens we all um you know i i said to my kids you know parents 
are just a generation older than their kids. So, you know, why are parents expected to know everything? Uh, so I think that, um, you know, there, there are, there are solutions. They may not be elegant solutions. It may be, I can't think about this anymore. I have to put this and uh, to the side and concentrate on something else. Uh, and we have to learn to, to live with those shadows. I think that is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, you reference the author Helen Epstein wrote in 1977, and I remember reading it. Really? Yeah. Many didn't survive, but um, my mother had a large number of cousins who survived Auschwitz because they were young and mm. because the Nazis didn't get to Hungary until 1944. Right. So, but they did so many job once they got there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so many of us are connected. Many of us in this gener in our generation, mm -hmm. can you can you say more about how that article changed everyone's views at the time? Yeah, I mean, what seems obvious to us now was a just a stroke of 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 genius on on the part of of Helen Epstein. Uh, she identified um, the group of children of Holocaust survivors as an entity with um, certain issues and, 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 and concerns. And it, you know, I, I should say, I haven't said this. I, I'm not the child of, of Holocaust survivors. I, I, both my parents were in the U S army in, in world war two, but uh, we've known many survivors and I have many um, friends who who are uh, children of survivors. And what they um, told me and what I researched was that Helen's piece was like a breath of fresh air. It was it was an aha moment for yeah, them. It was a they wake knew, a wake up call. Yeah, they knew yeah. what they they weren't alone in in what they had been feeling and um what happened was i mean there are now many second generation groups there are third generation groups of the of the grandchildren of holocaust survivors and um shortly after that it seems that the um united states anyway started paying more attention to the issue. There was, um, which I mentioned in the book, the series on NBC, the mini series called Holocaust, uh, where it was, you know, brought to the general audience. Um, and then of course, um, you know, there was the, the creation of the OSI, Steven Spielberg, um, you know, created his Shoah Foundation and got testimonies from the, from the survivors, and then we had the um, the Holocaust Museum, uh, cr you know, created in in D.C. and and many more throughout the country. So it it you know prior to this, uh, the word Holocaust was not really used that much, nor was the word survivor. Um, after the war. In the 50s, um, some people referred to it as the Shoah, which um, 
as you know, is Hebrew uh, for for the Holocaust. But there wasn't even the word survivor. They were called refugees or greeners. So even even the language changed after after and, Helen's yeah, article. Yeah. So. So, Meryl, what are you working on next? <laughs> well, right now I'm, you know, I'm trying to get the word out um, about shadows we carry. And that is, that is uh, very, very time consuming. But I have I started um, doing some research. Um, as I mentioned, my mother was uh, a whack in World War II, and um, she wrote a memoir, which was never published. And I'm, you know, I'm looking through uh, the memoir. I'd like to, you know, fictionalize that. And I'm actually meeting <laughs> with a friend tomorrow uh, who's going to share some of her mother's papers with me. Her mother was an army nurse um, who was part of the um team that uh, went into Dachau after liberation. So um, I see what I can cook up from, <laughs> from, from, from I, I wow. want to tell the story of, of, of these women, uh, but I, I haven't released, I'm just in the research phase. Okay. Thank you so much again for talking to me today. It's just been a pleasure, Meryl, and I wish you the Thank best. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining me. This is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Meryl Ain about her novel, The Shadows We Carry. Hope you all have a juicy book to cuddle up with tonight and always. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone.